0: Welcome back to your favorite new podcast called Wild Quincy. Chris Ketters with Travis Hoffman. Travis, did uh, that uh, Lumire guy kill anybody or, or did was was it somebody else? Are we still trying to figure that out?
1: Well, I'm not going to spill the beans like we, we, we went in depth in our latest Patreon episode, Chris. I don't know if anyone can really know. A few people shot us back some feedback and no one seems to have a definitive answer, so... I think we stumped history on that one, Chris, but we'd love to hear what your thoughts are on the Lou yeah. Miller case from the last episode.
0: It was just a, it was a very intriguing episode, and there was just so much to cover, and if you didn't get a chance, and if you're not on Patreon, check that out, because we ended up spending like an hour and ten minutes talking about it, and there was just so much more to the story. And and Travis, speaking of Patreon, we got a new Patreon members.
1: We sure do. Jerry Miller, it was a lovely new addition to the Wild Things on the Patreon crew. Uh, Jerry joined at the medium Jeff special level. We really appreciate it. And welcome to the team, Jerry. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Welcome, Jerry. And uh, not only uh, do we have, of course, the Patreon, which you can check out and get all those episodes, which, by the way, if you got an episode here on Wild Quincy, there's an episode that is also on Patreon. So we have just as many episodes on our Patreon page. So if you love what you're listening to, you want to hear more, which we question why you want to hear our voice more. But if you want to hear more, that's right. <laughs> you can head to the Patreon you page. Buttons
1: for punishment, you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, make sure to check it out because uh, we have a bunch of cool episodes there uh, and uh, a bunch of cool ones coming up as well. So uh, Travis, though, before we jump into the, to what's going on, there's a couple of things I want to hit up on. Uh, you know, not only do we have Patreon, but we have this cool merchandise store. And I'm so stoked that I, I'm a polo wearing guy. i a polo-wearing guy. I enjoy wearing polos. I've noticed You'll that see me in you. polos more often than not. And I got my Wild Quincy polo coming my way. So um, that merch store, man, a lot of people are checking that out, it seems like. Yeah, feel free to give it a sh- sh- uh,
1: look yourself, rather. Uh, WildQuincy.com, there's a link to the merch page. Feel free to peruse and see if anything tickles your interest. And we'd love to uh, see a little... Wild Quincy staring back at us in the public.
0: Take a picture of it, too. If you get something, take a picture and uh, post it on uh, Facebook. Let's, uh, let us see that. Uh, tag us on it. Let us see what you got. Absolutely. And uh, Travis Travis is holding up a Wild Quincy mug right now. Mm, so, maybe. I mean, he's got he's got some of the merch it as well. It makes
1: my coffee taste so much better. And maybe it's just me,
0: Chris, but I think there's something there. It makes it taste mm, so good. Ooh, yeah. Do you remember where that's from? <laughs> um n- no but I remember it no but I remember it <laughs> well I'll tell you what Liz, we may have something towards the end of the episode on that so we'll have to be uh, talking about that a little bit later Travis are you ready for this question of the day
1: lay it on me Chris I'm, I've am i been studying real hard a, a broad array of items which is complete crap
0: but lay it on me <laughs> and see how I do alright so here's your question of the day which non-profit organization got its start in In Quincy, Hmm. you have four multiple choice answers. The first one is Afghans for Afghanis, (laughs) (laughs) MUFON, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Hmm. or the Zoological Society of San Diego. So your question is, again. (laughs) That's quite a spread, Chris. (laughs)
1: interesting
0: selection yeah uh which nonprofit organization got its start in quincy was it the afghans for afghanis mufon the bill and melinda gates foundation or zoological society of san diego
1: well i have to stick around to find out i think i I might have a guess here but we'll find out at the end of the show chris
0: one last thing before we get in travis are we missing anything before we jump into uh the meat and potatoes no uh, bring on the meat bring on the potatoes let's do this thing chris well, and the guy that we're going to be talking to in a few minutes is—he's—he's uh, he's built. He's been eating he's a lot had of that some protein. Meat.
1: He is. I bet he can <laughs> eat some meat. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we're going to be talking with Chris Dewar, KHQA Sports Director, in just a moment. We do want to give you a heads up, though, uh, that uh, we did this uh, interview with him, and it was over Zoom, and there may be some audio questionable sound to it, so if you hear him kind of pop in and out, that's just, uh, unfortunately, we didn't have the greatest connection with Chris, but Chris, as you know, is a super busy guy, and, and so we actually had to do this a really early one morning, because that was the only time he had available, but we definitely appreciate Chris coming on and uh, to talking with us about sports in quincy and we'll be doing that next here on wild quincy hi this is marcy from Musicland, where we got what's hot speaking of what's hot you're listening to wild quincy now back to travis and chris And welcome to the... Uh part that we enjoy of our wild Quincy segment that's when we get to talk to somebody that's uh, been around in the tri states for quite a while and this time we're going to be talking about something that uh, we haven't had a chance to really dive into as we wrap up uh, season one and that's talking about local sports and who better to bring in somebody to talk about local sports than somebody that's been around for 25 plus years covering that local sports and none other than KHQA sports director Chris Dewar Chris how are you doing.
2: I am flattered and honored to be here, and I'm just going to do spoiler alert from the start right here. The Lost Boys of Hannibal have been laying my basement for the last fifty years. If you guys had just reached out <laughs> earlier, it could have saved you so much time <laughs> in your lives.
0: Yeah, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, well, that's good to know because I've been getting myself very dirty lately in crawling around in areas, So uh, I could saved a could have saved the washer some work. Of work. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. So, well. Thanks for the shout out of The Lost Boys, and Hannibal. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy how many people know about that that show. It's uh, we just real side note, real quick. I was calling to pay a bill at a hospital just a couple days ago, and they answer the phone. The girl's like, "Oh my gosh, you're Chris Ketters. I'm literally <laughs> listening to your
2: podcast right wow. now." And
0: I'm like, "Oh wow,
2: man, <laughs> small world." Okay. Isn't it amazing? What captivates people, though? I mean, it's what captivates people's imaginations uh, is is incredible and in such a such an interesting bit of lore right here in our own backyard.
0: Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. You know, luckily that one that takes so much research and so much work that it's good to be here on Wild Quincy because I let Travis do right. all the research. The <laughs> well, you've
1: you done your fair share, Chris, <laughs> let's be honest, but it is nice to have an off week so <laughs> yeah. to speak where you can just sit and listen.
0: Yeah, and enjoy somebody else uh, giving us their background. But well, Chris, we got to start out because when I emailed you to say, "Hey, we want to bring you on to talk about sports. We got something interesting that we wanted to bring to you." So, I'm going to start with this. I you said you've been around, is it 26 years now at KHQA?
2: I started in February of 1995. Got here just in time for the big West Pike basketball run. That dates Ooh. me right now. So uh, got here just in time to watch uh, Kirk Mosley and uh, Marty Hall do their thing. And now Marty Hall has kids and I feel super old. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, it makes you feel old. I remember watching that in high school in the ag class when they were at the state tournament watching them play. So I'm from Payson, so what's that tell you? So, yeah, so 26 years. The reason why we wanted to start out with something interesting with you, Chris, is because we have a personal experience with you. That's right. And it goes back to about that time frame. Do you remember a thing called Explorer Post with the Boy Scouts?
2: I don't, actually, off the top of okay. my head. You've got me intrigued now. I didn't remember okay. what it was called
0: either, Chris, and I was literally there, so don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> so we did this thing. We were probably, I want to say, like 13 or 14, maybe even 12, where they had this thing. Was It was a communication explorer post. We weren't Boy Scouts, but we took advantage of it because we were huge into radio and stuff like that. One of our adventures was with you going to Macomb, to do uh interviews with the rams players during preseason or when they were
2: doing training now uh, now this now this is starting to come back <laughs> into memory yes how cool was that yeah that was a what a neat deal so did did you have fun we
0: did <laughs> we're we're talking about it what okay 26 years later yeah <laughs> Yeah, we did. Uh, it was a fun part. Now, the the kicker to this, uh, Chris, was that you have this knack. I don't know if you still have it, so we'll have to find out. But you told us back in the day that you we could give you any word, and you were able to plug it in your sportscast.
1: I believe the story, Chris, was <laughs> I that, did do that you had a friend who, when they came over, would give you like a list of words or phrases that you tried, had to work into the sportscast. And Chris, uh, Chris Ketters, this is going to be fun. Chris Ketters, what, uh, what word did we give Chris Dewar to plug into the sportscast? Do you remember?
0: We gave you the word Big Neck, as in Big Neck, Illinois of my
1: favorites and you came through man <laughs> you came through that you night did. it
0: was amazing
2: well you have to realize this is a this is a very mercenary tool on my part because <laughs> in the very <laughs> high-paying world of you know broadcast journalism sometimes boy needs to augment his salary and if somebody's willing <laughs> to bet you they can't word word into a sportscast and they're sucker uh, enough to pay off on that i haven't i've have been known to on occasion take money away from well-mean suckers and put it into my own pocket
1: <laughs> <laughs> you gave us a freebie that day yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Funny. I like you guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's cool. I we, Travis and I kind of had a bet. We have a Patreon uh, thing we do bonus episodes on. We were talking about this, and I Travis didn't think you'd remember. And, and I was like, I think he'll remember. So, but it's, I don't well, it's know. All, it's now up.
2: that you say it. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that was you guys. I couldn't remember. It was a Boy
1: Scout thing. Like, I remember Chris was there, and that's all I remembered until he said, Oh, yeah, it was some kind of Boy Scout thing. And, like Chris said, we were never Boy Scouts. So I was scratching my head. But, yeah, we had a couple little activities uh and then it kind of just went away i don't know what happened to that organization but it yeah. was fun we while did it like lasted, three or four
0: but, things yeah. yeah yeah and then so it was really cool because it was my first experience because it was neat from my perspective because that was the first time like meeting professional sports players because we interviewed uh, uh someone you had us you had us actually interview rams players while we were there which we they did. loved that
2: yeah uh, and that's, and I, I think that's really cool because you find out pretty quickly about yourself when you're asking questions. In, and I, I kind of learned this hard way, Chris, because the first interview I ever did in this business was with Arn Palmer. When he opened oh, up a wow. golf course in in the Lake of the Ozarks, <laughs> I was down in Jefferson City, and I was standing there, with my hand shaking, trying to ask <laughs> the legendary name in golf, you know, about his new golf course. So I always thought it was interesting to put people in that position and see how they responded. Um, which was kind of the neat part of all this. And and you obviously did a great job with, because you know you're throwing somebody in front of Marco Farr to start <laughs> off their you know, their interviewing career, and look where you're at now. I mean, it worked out. <laughs>
0: yeah you're right it's it's kind of funny i mean even after that and travis travis will just to give you background travis is uh i just watched him yesterday perform in front of a, like about 40 people doing uh like a yard side concert a little music, thing yeah. like he acoustic yeah and i've been on the radio and and done a bunch of stuff for many years now so it's kind of a small world. i just kept the radio uh,
1: face without the radio job so it works out okay either
2: way <laughs> Some of us have a radio face on TV, so we understand.
0: Oh, uh, well, good memories, and we're happy that we got the opportunity to do that with you. And, and like I said, I didn't want to date you, but I kind of did with the, the how many years you were, because I we were pretty sure that had to have been like right when you started at KHQA. It
2: was pretty early on, and those those were fun, salad days, going to Macomb, covering the Rams. I mean, you know, it's still, you, you tell that to people who haven't been here or move here, and tell them that the Rams used to, you know, do some workouts in Macomb, and their minds are blown. And you had to <laughs>
1: right. go through Big Neck because the highway wasn't ready. It wasn't the 10-year right. construction plan. wasn't done yet on that thing
2: it wasn't and if your if your television had to be broken what a convenient stop along the way
0: that's right that's right (laughs)
2: right you had the tv repair shop yeah oh they had a tv repair shop in big neck that's all they have in big neck the tv repair (laughs) shop That's the legend and the lore of the TV rare shop in Big Neck, Illinois.
1: <laughs> now, Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but didn't the, the sign for Big Neck coming north have one spelling where it was one word, and then coming south it was spelled uh, two words, Big Neck? Something, am I neck. just making yeah. that up or was that a
2: thing? Absolutely, yes. Okay, I think they corrected it. Absolutely, it was. Yes, I think and, and, you know, it, the, the good the good news is it only took you about four seconds to see sign to sign. So, right. if a stick <laughs> resonated <laughs> with you, it's because you had a really good memory. Oh, God bless you, big neck.
0: <laughs> Gotta love them. Chris, again, you've had such a long career, and and so we kind of want to go through some of the different, obviously, the locals. So we want to start with the gems, because I got to look in yesterday, and the Quincy Gems, like their renewal and reamp kind of started when when you started at KHQA, right?
2: It did, and I still remember doing that story uh, and kind of being made aware and appreciative of the first incarnation of... Uh, professional baseball in the city of Quincy and the way it sort of had historic roots here that were deep all the way back to the Tappies, obviously. And, mm-hmm. and what a great place to restart, reboot this. I think it was 96 when we restarted the Gems, if memory serves me correctly, because it was one of the first really big sprees to cross our radar. And somebody who got to cover those first games, it was amazing because at the time, I think it really was a movement, you know, because at that point to make this something like Cape Cod League. And we were drawing players from places like LSU uh, and Arizona State that were hotbeds of collegiate baseball, which is kind of sharp contrast to where we are now. Because. You know, in some ways, Major League Baseball rested that process away. We've seen it with the minor leagues as well, with that kind of almost dissipating now. Uh, a lot of different markets that used to be there, but there was a real movement for the gems to be something significant. And it was fun to be a part of that, to see that here, and to see that take root in Quincy at a QU stadium that wasn't quite as refurbished and, and as it was now. But you could you could definitely tell they were swinging for the fences with this thing to, you know, to coin a pun, I guess.
0: You mentioned Josh Raby. Uh now I'm not real familiar with the, the background. There was there other gym players throughout the years that ended up making MLB debuts as they went along or was jo- Josh was one of them, right?
2: There were a bunch of players that would come through here. Some would show up for a game or two, some not show up at all that were on Jim's rosters, would get drafted because obviously that, that draft date is June first, or it used to be very hard June first, uh, or the first Wednesday June, I think as it were. And and those guys would be like, you know, we try to roster them and they'd go somewhere. There was a kid, Brian Bullington, I can remember, who was a super pick by the Pittsburgh Pirates, if memory reminds me. And I don't know if he played here a game or a couple of games. But, yeah, there were, there were like, legitimate major leaguers who would not only come through the gyms, but come through town. I don't remember. There's this legendary story of a home run. Ryan Howard, you know, the famous Ryan Howard from the yeah, Phillies, man. hit a home run to the top of the, you know, the Quincy scoreboard that people still say is going. I don't remember that happening. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) But it does put into perspective the fact that, you know, we had significant talent channel through every summer for a long, long time until, you know, the dynamics change. And now it's more of a, you know, an enterprise where you have junior college and small college kids rather than, you know, blue chip major league prospects. So it has been a different evolution in what the gym have done baseball wise over the years and what we initially saw. But it, again, it's been a super cool thing for the city. And it's one of the few things that remain when I started here. I mean, you start thinking about all the summer things that we had, the Grand Prix of Carding, Little Peoples, the skydiving convention, the, the, the things that you would set your summer by by the week that have now kind of all gone away. The gems are really kind of the last thing that are out there. They're kind of a, at least a little bit constructed as they were intended.
0: Now, you mentioned it. You, you had a transition, so it seemed like you had like these uh, right up against the the going into the majors kind of players. What happened? What's the transition? Is there something in, in major league baseball where that's not as important today or, or what, what's kind of what happened to the transition there? Why did that happen?
2: There became a lot sexier options going to go into the major leagues. I mean, you know, Midwest is hot and humid in the middle of the summer. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's not the sexy markets that the Cape Cod leagues were obviously, which were long established, you know, Major League Baseball has its own professional league guys who want to do that. I know Nolan Wassman Palmyras is, is playing in this league now for draft eligible guys that you know I saw the other night that is this sort of league out of nowhere that's kind of replaced what, you know, 25 years ago, the, the CICL and now the prospect league was supposed to be. So there are whole different avenues, and people are, you know, like everything else in sports that involves big money and professionalism, people are more in charge of their own futures now. So they're dictating where they go. They're finding places, playing with coaches they want to play with. Whereas when this was at the outset, you know, players had a lot fewer ways to get seen by pro scouts. And and this was a really good way for a first year guy buried on a bench at LSU to get out there and that he's really skilled before anybody would see play for the Tigers at that point, who were the, like one of the pinnacle programs in the country. So this was his <laughs> right. chance to put himself when he was a redshirt or before that. So, and we benefited from that, quickly, obviously. So, you know, th- there was a lot of that. And I, I do give the gems credit to what they do now because they have tried to keep some of that local component to it over the years, whether it's bringing back a Joey Pollock from Quincy Notre Dame. You know, they've got some kids, some kids. I know Cole Pork Hill from Quincy High School played really well the other night. And Bennett Stice from Elmira is on that roster now. They're they're trying to give people some local flair to root for, which I think is really important and indicative of the success that they have because you know how insular we are as a town and how we love to watch our own succeed.
0: Well, and you mentioned QU Stadium in that. That kind of segues into our next segment of talking about the Hawks. You got football, you got basketball, but you know, one thing that really stuck out to me and tell me if I'm wrong, Chris, it seems like the QU soccer program is, is something that's uh, really worth uh, mentioning. It seems like out of all their programs, it seems like that may be one of the bigger powerhouses of, of a program for QU. Am I wrong in that assessment?
2: No, historically, no, you're exactly right. and You just need to walk outside a legend stadium and be and all that Jack McKenzie accomplished, Coach Longo accomplished, Uh, you know, their years as an NAIA power before, you know, I even got to town. And having had a chance to get to know Jack McKenzie, that's a pretty special man that I think if you're outside of the soccer community, we all know how great Jack McKenzie was to be around and to swap stories with and, and kind of just see in the hallway, just a great member of our community. People don't realize that on the historic soccer scale in this country is one of those Mount Rushmore type codes, at least at the small school level that everybody in the business knew. And he said a temp for soccer there that I, I think remains to this day. And I think, you know, you look at the great job Mike Carpenter has done with the men's program today. And, you know, the fact that they are, incredibly competitive. And the time that Mike spent on the bench as an apprenticeship, you know, working with Coach McKenzie has really contributed to that. I know Mike is a guy who's from here. I'm old enough to have covered my playing goalie at Quincy Notre Dame. So you can <laughs> get a, a a sense of the fact that he's a lover here and somebody who's invested in this community and invested in soccer. And I think it's important to him that it, you know, that this program maintains some of that that it had under Jack. And you know, I, I do think that's one of the real crown showpieces of Quincy University athletics. I'd argue baseball is there. Uh, the great job Josh Raby, who you mentioned earlier, has done to kind of both put it on the map. And, you know, a guy who appreciates, you know, the shot he was given at Quincy University because Josh was a big deal at Mendon Unity. Uh, you know, people don't. May not remember this, but I for Josh when I first got to town in 96, he was an all-state quarterback and a, a pretty darn good basketball player. And I, you know, I, I know he had some vision one looks for football. And I don't mm-hmm. think we'll realize that despite all of this, because it was from End and unity, you know, he didn't get recruited or scouted the way that other kids do. Yeah. And so for him to land at this university and parlay that into a major career is a big deal. And I think Josh, in his stewardship to the program that is his alma mater, when he went back to take over, you know, kind of flipped it and say, we're going to find some of these local kids who come from small schools like I do and give them the chance. And, you know, that helped fuel that program as well to a great degree to the success it has had.
0: That's yeah, a great yeah. story. Well, and it's funny you, you mentioned that Josh really. I mean, he sounds like he had multiple choices of places to go, and I think that probably says a lot for Quincy University for somebody of that caliber to make his home Quincy University for his college, uh, you know, college stuff. So that's really. Really interesting. I want to go back to the soccer thing. I, I, I'm not a soccer fan. I, I'm I've and that's the weird thing I think about the Quincy area is that I think it's like a you you think of baseball, you think of basketball, you think of football. Those are the big sports, but it seems like there's like this quiet kind of background of soccer in Quincy. And it seems like there's a lot more to soccer. Than just what we see on TV is, I mean, is that incorrect?
2: No, I, I don't think you're incorrect. I think if you factor in, you know, proxy to St. Louis, which is a huge soccer town, and we're kind of, if you look geographically, we're kind of a bedroom community of that as a soccer community. And there's a rich tradition here. And again, I think that goes back to Frank Longo and all, you know, and Jack McKenzie and all they've accomplished. They've kind of built the culture here. And so you know, the fact that the youth league here is so relevant, and the fact that we produced medically as many or more Division One soccer players over the year and we have football players, I, I think speaks to just how good the soccer has been here. Uh, when I first got to town, you know, Aaron Abbey was the big soccer superstar. And then it was uh, Casey Stevens and Camacho. Uh, and, you know, it kind of gone on to different iterations of you know generationally we've had really good soccer talent through this town and you know that's not just this 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 spiking up of rare talent it's a cultivated system where these really good athletes Pick soccer at an early age, continue to develop their skills to a high level. And then we get a bunch of them to stay home, mm-hmm. fortunately, and help fuel some of this. Kid- I mean, the Reese brothers, uh, Reese is generally, you know, the from, you know, from the the Tony side things, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it just kind of, it, you know, it kind of all, you know, makes sense for Greg and Tony's kids all being super soccer players, you know, over <laughs> the course of these years when they get there and, and different. Raiders, and Blue Devils, who've done that, so it really is a tradition, and it really is something I think town is proud of. That the the quality of soccer that has been played here and cultivated here and propagated out into the you know the world from here is really really high.
0: Well, yeah, it's something I was, I mean, it's something you don't even really realize until you really get into the sports about how how strong a program it is. But if, speaking of strong programs, Chris, the Raiders, the QND Raiders, I had to look this up. 13 state championships since you started at KHQA, the Raiders have had. I, I mean, you compare that to practically any other school in the state of Illinois. I don't think those numbers are going to exist with another school.
2: Well, and, and you know, I think relative to all of those they you have to keep in mind that, that Quincy Notre Dame doesn't get any cheap And I don't even call them cheap state championships, but they don't get any individual state championships with track and field because they don't have that program. So, you know, in a lot of programs, you have a kid every year who wins a track and field, you know, just by happenstance every couple of years, medal that would contribute to that. Quincy Notre Dame is doing it all into sports, generally speaking, in those cases. And it does speak to a really rich tradition, a lot of different sports that you know, the Raiders have had, you know, I wasn't here for the 81 Blue Devils, but I was here for that great Eric horn led run of girls. So that's sort of the dynasty that I had to cover within the Quincy city limits. And we all know how special basketball is in this town and how we adore it and what it means, you know, to be able to watch George Ruricks and, Cassidy Gingenbacher and that group kind of run through and you know it started with I think that run with Chloe Barnes obviously when she came through I mean it's an incredible run of talent when you think about it and for Quincy Notre Dame to be on that state championship stage so long seemingly every single year for, for my mind at least from an individual coaching standpoint. Uh, you know, Eric Horn ranks with anybody who's been through this town in terms of accomplishments just by being able to do that, such a consistent sustained basis. I mean, that's a really huge accomplishment, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you can do economies of scale between boys and girls basketball all yeah. you like. I don't care who you are. Coaching is coaching and that's great coaching. So obviously that stand out huge in that Quincy Notre Dame run, but there've been great soccer programs, obviously, um, you know, both on the boys and the girls side with, with Greg Reese and with, with Mark. Mark Long with what they've been able to do, and Mark Longo still has it going as we speak. <laughs> right. This Quincy Notre Dame team that was supposed to be the down Q&E team this year might all well run its way to a championship as well. So, you know, I think success sustains and breeds more success, and that's kind of what's happened on the campus of Quincy Notre Dame and has been amplified in a lot of different ways and in a lot of different sports.
0: Uh, well and you mentioned a lot of different sports I mean since and I just I'm just going really quickly through the list I think it's since I think the earliest one I see is 78 here but they have state championships in boys golf boys soccer girls basketball girls soccer girls softball girls volleyball and then girls pom poms even so I mean that's impressive I mean I, I graduated from Payson and w- we're still looking for a first state championship in basketball <laughs> I mean the, and for q to have that amount of prestige in what they're doing is very very impressive. But Chris, I want to get into a subject that I've always found interesting because the QND football program has always been like in my mind a strong strong program. But they don't have the state championships really to back that up. What's happening for the football program? What kind of obstacles are they hitting to where they're, they're never able to get to that final echelon of, of that state championship?
2: Well, well, first and foremost, state championships are hard and born as much of really super talented teams as they are born of luck. And I think on a couple of different occasions, Quincy Notre Dame has probably, since I've been here, had at least two teams that were probably state champion worthy. But one last year, 2019, I have to say mm-hmm. last year, you know, couch it because of the pandemic i down was leading Williamsville and then wa- lo- you know, lost the lead second half <laughs> and watched Williamsville one game later win a state championship. That was a team that was probably worthy of winning a state championship this year. And with the pandemic, QN didn't get that chance. So mm. I think Jack Cal had a team that was positioned to do that this year. They finished number one in the state class. Not that those rankings at the end of anything meant anything. Because right. you know, speaking plainly to you gentlemen, I don't think this football season was very good in terms of the quality of play. Just really hard to come off basketball legs build. Any kind of continuity on right. offensive line because these kids haven't been bucking anybody, and you could tell it was kind of a lesser version of football this year. But in a perfect scenario, I think this team, this this twenty twenty one it would have been technically 2020 Quincy Name football team, had a real chance to do that. And then you go back to the 2004 team, which, you know, was absolutely loaded. That was a team that was fronted by uh, you know Trevor Ferris, who was obviously our player here that year and one of the best defensive linemen ever to through here, but was just absolutely loaded up and down with talent and ran into a playoff buzzsaw on a day they just didn't really have it offensively. And I think lost mm-hmm. that game, I think it at River Forest or wherever it was, now, not River Forest, I'm trying to think where it was up there on the way Chicago, but, you know, lost a game, singing to seven and just couldn't get their offense on track. And that was, I think, Bill Cannell's best team. You know, when you start looking at the, you know, Sam at linebacker, and all the talent they had on defense, this was as good a defense as I ever saw. I mean, sometimes the cards just don't line up for you. So I never really took that as any slight or anything wrong with Notre Dame. Winning championships on a football field is hard you know, yeah. and sometimes it's that up, and we got a little spoiled around here, because Illini West slash Carthage made it look easy right, for everybody yeah. over the years, Jim Unruh was there, that we just think, well, it's the standard, you know, yeah. it's not a successful season unless you win a state championship, which one of the contrary isn't the true, you know, if you're making an Elite Eight, you're a super historically good football
0: team. Well, you look across the river, too, I mean, that's where my specialty in football comes from, we got Palmyra, and, and these other teams that are just perennial powerhouses in Northeast Missouri, too, that so so what you're saying is I think there is a – it's going to come someday.
2: It is. you're you got to realize that, you know, the best coach in the state of Illinois, fall-wise, and, and, you know, I hear this from football coaches, isn't professional, you know, isn't collegiate. It's, it's Derek Leonard over at Rochester with what able to do to an offense. And you have to realize how many times Derek Leonard teams kind of, you know, took out – very early in a postseason, Bill Canelty, because you were just dealing with a different level of offense that people weren't able to, at the high school level, attack quite yet. And that's why there's been, you know, rumors that, you know, Derek could have been one of those guys left Rochester and been the offensive coordinator at the University of Illinois in a heartbeat. I mean, that was sort of Quincy Notre Dame didn't have much luck in terms of playoff draws when you're running into you know, teams like that. And we saw Quincy High, what happened when they ran into Sacred Heart Griffin a couple of years ago with Jirel Brock on their team. I mean, it's just, you know, this there's a different level of ball brewing in Springfield right now. Rochester and Sacred Heart Griffin is at a historic level with two of the best coaches who happen to be father and son in the okay. country. And, you know, that was a that was sort of the ending point for a lot of Quincy Notre really good teams was Derek Leonard and Rochester.
0: Well, it's, yeah. So hopefully, I mean, I, for you Quincy Notre Dame fans out there, I know we got quite a few of them. I, I think that the football trophy, I, I felt it. I mean, I thought they've had lots of chances. I think that football trophy's, somewhere quickly uh, coming down the road. But uh, you mentioned another sports team that we're going to jump to. And uh, if you want to talk about powerhouses, look no further than the Quincy High Blue Devil basketball team. I got to give you these stats. We talked about these in our last episode. We uh, Chris, we always give like a question of the day in our episodes. And the question of the day for last episode leading into this episode was talking about wins in Quincy High School history. And actually I think it talked about the first game right. which was back in 1907 for the Blue Devils. But I found this stat so interesting. I'm going to repeat it. In Quincy, in 2010 statistical report was the fourth winniest high school basketball program in the country with 1,873 wins since their first game on December 23rd of 1907. As a sports director, how do you feel about having pretty much a top five winningest basketball team in your area? I mean, that's just going to be pretty much a, a shock or a surprise or Uh, in amazement for you to have that opportunity.
2: It it really was sort of thing that hooked me when I got to town the first time because there's really nothing like Blue Devil Gym. And it's not just from the sports side of things as a community. It's kind of our gathering place, you know, where you go on a Friday night and in the of winter. and, And the thing I've always told people is, this town doesn't have seasonal affective disorder in the winter. It has devil basketball disorder. <laughs> if the blue deserts are good, this town is happy in winter. And if they're not, people are angry and sullen and, you know, a little pissed at one another. So... You know, I, it's it's interesting how we are gauged in this basketball town that takes place across the street over Blue Devil Gym. But for me, that's always been one of the great draws of this job and one of the reasons I've never really wanted to move on because it reminds me a lot of home for me. I grew up in a community like this that was kind of a – a community that was geared towards sports and really successful of a, a singular sports institution the way this town is, is out of Quincy High basketball. And it's neat to go there and to be able to chronicle that on a daily basis and to know that we have this live piece of basketball history that the nation is aware of right in our own backyard. It makes it really special. And I think the stewardship this town takes towards that is something incredibly special about Quincy Illinois, as well. And you
1: got to rank the intros too, Chris. I mean, who does a better introduction to a basketball game than QHS? Can you think of anybody?
2: I've never seen anybody on the planet. And when I bring people in, I make sure that's a part of it. And my mom, who doesn't love basketball, has been to a Blue Devil intro and had her mind blown by it. You know, it just... It's something that's, you know, it's a little it's a little bit of past, it's a little bit of the dreams of your imagination, it's a little bit of fantasia, it's all these things brought, made real in a basketball environment that makes the school sport feel as special as it might have felt at any particular time in history. And that that feeling never gets old, being in that gym and watching the devil run out and You know, I think it speaks to the six year old kid, all of us, no matter how old we are, no matter how many times we've seen it, there's just nothing else like it on the planet. When other coaches want to come from across country because they've heard about it, they want to bring their teams in here. Like, you know, Eric Stratman's great, you know, Quincy High shootout that he's put together the last couple of years where teams come from across the country with blue chip, you know, recruits to be here to play in our gym. That they will stand out there and watch Quincy High play because they've heard about this devil ceremony <laughs> somewhere else. and want to experience it for themselves. I says all you need to know. Even Jade High School 18-year-olds love Quincy Blue Devil basketball <laughs> intro. And why wouldn't you at this
0: point? Oh, yeah. Again, graduate from Payson. My first experience when I went and saw it, I got goosebumps. I yeah. mean, it was just it's yeah. all and every time you see it, you get goosebumps. It's just so powerful of a of a a show. It also brings into the idea though that they bring a good team with them as well. It's again, they've had these state championships, they've had these opportunities. Why do you think, uh, why? And again, I guess kind of a two part question here how has that been remaining such a strong uh, program? But then on the second part, it seems like why is it that maybe in past history the football programs lacked? Has there been a, a connection of reasons why those two programs have kind of? swish-washed back and forth?
2: I think historically that was a big thing, but I don't know that it's as big a thing as it, it, it used to be with that. Obviously, you know, football for me it isn't about coaching. It's not about players. It's about establishing a culture at this level. And, you know, when I first got to town, Ray Fisk was the head coach. I, I can't really speak to Ray because he wasn't the head coach for very long. And there was like a cavalcade of coaches who would come in for a season or a season or two, and there was no continuity. And there was always grandiose talk within Quincy, let's football like basketball. Let's make a splash higher. And, you know, this may sound like, you know, or I'm telling tales, but I can tell you things happened. There were people in this community who reached out to Fred Bouchard, to him to coach Quincy High football. There were people in this community that tried to steal Bill Cannell cross town to Mm -hmm. bring him to Quincy High. There were people that tried very seriously, and I know this for a fact, to get Jim Unruh at Carthage to bring him here to distill what Carthage had done to, wow. to Quincy High football, because they saw the potential, they saw the athletes that had powered Quincy Eyeball, football, and they couldn't figure out why Quincy football couldn't win to that level. And <laughs> what they, they discovered was you have to have somebody who can come in and feed every level of culture the way we do with basketball, start young, jump. And that, to Rick Little's credit, is, is, is as much... You know, uh, a testament to his legacy is what he's done with the youth programs. You know, obviously he got the team to win, and he got the team to the playoffs, and he picked up the first playoff win, and all of those interesting things that you know Quincy High had hacked and made them respectable year to year. But the biggest thing is, you know, Rick's growth future with this youth program that constantly numbers 118 kids out there playing during the course of the week in little pads and learning the game, and you know, the the football is going to resonate that way because that pipeline has been built by him. Whereas for basketball, you know, coaches, even as great as Lauren Wallace, had inherited. There was a system here when they came here. You know, you getting back, you know, all the way you know, through the history of this program, that was established. There was never anything established that that built the culture of Quincy High football the same way basketball had been built until now. And I think we're starting to see some of the benefits of that, you know. I know this past year was a little strange for Quincy High football, but you don't look at it year anymore. You look at it long range. And I think the future of Quincy High school football, obviously over the course of the last – what now rick's rick's been there almost 15 years now it, it's super bright based on what he's been able to do and achieve in those 15 years and it was the right hire and people get that you know rick was their third choice hire time you know they tried to hire his brother tom you know they, they tried to hire us trying to think who the other you know candidate was that came up and eventually the job fell to rick and rick has been the right choice for him, the perfect fit and you know and here we are now quincy eye football is relevant again
1: i have a I have a really wild stat request and this may be well known this may not be known but I'm curious what has more wins the uniforms with the sleeves or without the sleeves cuz when I was in high school I was I've never been the big sports guy I'm like the crazy art guy music guy in the corner right but I do I know enough what's going on in sports to enjoy but that always threw me when I've never seen a high school team with sleeves. I was in high school, I graduated in two thousand. And that would always blew my mind seeing these sleeve uniforms. I know they later lost them, but I'd love to see a column um, who had the most sleeve or the most <laughs> sleeves. Probably just two. But who had the most wins with or without <laughs> sleeves? I'm just saying, is there something there, Chris? The
2: the most sleeves column I'm all in for. Anybody <laughs> who wants to write that, who had the most leaves, I'm in for. But the, the most wins, I guarantee you, Matt Shuffman off the top of his head could rumble in <laughs> here today sight unseen and quote you stats wins versus you know sleeves versus we'll unseen jerseys we'll <laughs> and and I, I mean the man literally the man literally wrote the book of the program so he would know
0: all right write that down travis come Making we have matt note, on we're going to ask back. him the sleeves versus non-sleeves speaking of other interesting funny things here chris one of the things we've been trying to track down and i'm sure you process this but not really thought about it before it's interesting of Quincy being such a Catholic town, in the main mascot for the public school is a blue devil.
2: <laughs> that would not fly. Have in you ever that before? Just really never give that a whole lot of thought. Um, I'm sure the archdiocese probably would rather it was something else, but it is the public school, and they can, you know, they can, I guess, uh, you know, slide that off on them.
1: My, that my wife's from Oklahoma. And the first Blue Devil basketball, I mean, that's the heart of the Bible Belt, right? The first time in Blue Devil Gym or right. that intro, basically, you're worshiping the devil with fire. And it's its <laughs> its a little much for somebody from the rural Oklahoma to process. <laughs> and like, is this, is this right? It's like, don't worry. We'll go to the, Let's go have a beer at St. Francis Picnic, and we'll talk there about it. There is
2: some it's Faustian funny. stuff done back there. <laughs> Always found that. Yes, there is some Faustian stuff done back, but we can get there.
0: Uh, Good stuff. Yeah, we always get a kick out. We're going to figure that out. There has to be a background story about why the school district way back in the day chose the Blue Devils as the name of the school mascot. We will find that out here on Wild Quincy at some point in time. Uh, Chris, we're getting a little short on time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, We're getting a little short on time, but there's a few questions I definitely want to get into you, ask you real quick before we wrap things up. Uh, We've talked about the high school sports Is there any other sports in the Quincy area that, like, you've always kind of been attracted to? I know I brought up a couple, like, you mentioned Little Peoples and the Grand Prix. Is there anything that we've missed that you've, like, you know, I really love it when that event comes around in Quincy?
2: Uh, Little Peoples, I would mention, is one of my favorites just because it's so neat. Historically, kids from all over the world come here, and, you know, I didn't realize, what, almost 20 years ago, I had an interview with an Irish kid over in Canton you know, at River Valley, who turned out to be Rory McElroy. Oh, you know, nice. and it's just oh, like wow. looking back, you, you have no idea this happened at the time. So that, that's always been incredibly cool. I just love the culture of Quincy sport. period. It's like anything we do, you know, people are excited about and once he rises, you know, we all kind of ride with them. I love to mm-hmm. see this group of people who've gotten so excited about Dustin Jacoby and his MMA career and his rebooted career. Now that he's fighting on the stage again, you know, kid who played at Queen University in Culver Stockton, kid I heard at Concord Triopia and everybody rules for him, even if they don't know him, because he's from here and he's one of us. So that's my thing about the Quincy culture is that just, I love to see local people rise, whether Luke Guthrie, you know, Dustin Jacoby, uh, you know, when, when we had a chance, we thought, you know, Michaela Fecky was going to go to the Olympics from little tiny, holy Trinity up out East Iowa. Man, we were all going to be in USA volleyball Supermarks at that thing. So that stuff is pretty cool and pretty inpic and neat to us.
0: well, and on that question, the the it kind of brings me into the next part of that is you've had such a great career in the Quincy market. And you've seen so many exciting experiences and, and, and exciting championships and, and just sports moments. Really, if you were able to like put it all down and say, wow, that there's this one moment where I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm being a part of this moment. Can, do you, is there one that sticks out in your mind?
2: Uh, you know, I, I think that's actually a much simpler question you'd imagine. Because I was there the night Billy Heisler hit jot for Warsaw in Spring Valley Hall. And uh, of course the overtime and the ball fell literally between me and Steve Luton. And we just sat there looking at each other and said, can you believe this is happening in front of us? And you know, that's still one of the five best shots in the history of Illinois high school sports. And I sitting there watching it happen. So, you know, and I, I, we did a thing during the pandemic where we brought back some of the, the, the folks that were crucial in Tribe history. And I talked to Billy about it. Billy is just so cool and casual about the shot but he's a legend in this state, and his own kids who play him don't know it. And that's <laughs> the interesting and neat thing about all of it. So if I had to pick a moment, that was probably the coolest. My favorite moment was actually, I think it was 2002, getting into trouble with the Western Illinois football team to the national quarterfinals on campus at Colgate during the storm of the century, where it snowed 20 inches from the start of the game to the end of the game. And it was the best played college football game I've ever been a part of. Um, Western (laughs) lost, unfortunately. unfortunately, But being a guy from the West Coast who always fantasized about playing a ball game in snow and never getting that opportunity, to watch that game transpire at that level on one of the most beautiful college courses I've ever seen. I mean, Colgate's amazing. That was really super cool. Well,
0: well, you've had a lot of experiences in the, uh, the past, and I joked with you before we started. I, I just looking at what you looking at uh, you here on our Zoom podcast as we're getting ready to wrap up here. You still have energy. For, looks like for another twenty five years, Chris.
2: Well, I appreciate that. Some days I have that energy. Other days, you know, it's maybe 25 <laughs> minutes, but I do feel blessed. I mean, I, I you know, I don't know what force the good Lord put into motion to get a kid from Sacramento, California to Quincy, Illinois. I have enjoyed every single moment of this experience and lived the blessed life. I mean, it just. If you love sports, I can't think of another job, a better place on the planet to do it than than what I've been able to do. So I, I do my blessings every single day, gentlemen.
0: Well, we definitely appreciate you coming on and talk to us about those memories. Chris, I hope we get a chance down the road to do it again because I think we just scratched the surface of Quincy sports for sure. So, uh, But we really appreciate you being here and uh, talking to us on Wild Quincy.
2: Anytime, gentlemen, and keep up the great work. Enjoy the podcast.
0: Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. And that is a look at local sports here in the uh, Quincy. Quincy Area. will be back on Wild Quincy.
2: Ron Heller, Carol Sowers, and me, Mr. Food, weekdays on Channel 7 Eyewitness News at 6. Goodness, it is so good.
0: Travis, I I feel like we're going to say this in unison, but, uh, ooh, Mm, it's it's so so good. good.
1: (laughs) That's that may be up there with like one of the creepiest catchphrases in my mind, just the the (laughs) delivery of it. But I love it. I love to be creeped out.
0: Yeah. Speaking of catchphrase, Travis. Mr. Food's catchphrase, "Ooh, that's so good," is actually a trademark. It's trademarked by the here. U.S. Patent and Trademark really? Office. Really? Yes, it's a sound trademark. So wow. We we hopefully we're not going to get in trouble because we're giving credit to the to the uh, creator on that. There you but, go.
1: Attribution. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Mr. Food, man. Uh, you remember him back in the day? You remember him, Travis, back uh, on on I know. Yeah, I. I
1: you said that earlier in the show, Chris, and it was like, killing me because it was so ingrained in my brain, but I couldn't remember what it was from. And then you said it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, of course, it's Mr. Food. Loved Mr. Food. So
0: that ad that we pulled, we're going to post that on our Facebook page because uh, the ad's actually, it's a promo for Mr. Food. It it came back in the late 80s because not only is it uh, – during the six PM news, which is odd because in the '90s it was on the noon news, but the noon news wasn't around in the '80s, and so that was one piece of the puzzle. And then Carol Sowers was also uh, one of the one of the uh, people because I think he mentions Carol Sowers in that ad. Yeah. So very cool. But yeah, I remember my history with Mister Food goes back from you know, in the summertime it was you know I lived on a farm and so we come in for lunch. Uh, at noon, and, and we'd always switch over to the markets because dad wanted to see the markets. Right. We were more of Days of Our Lives fans, uh, <laughs> but we had to switch over for a short period of time to see how the markets were doing, how the corn and beans were doing. But after the corn and beans was always Mr. Food, and we never got to switch back over to Days of Our Lives. And we, so we always ended up catching Mr. Food uh, during the new news back when I was growing up as a kid on the farm.
1: Good stuff. No, that brings back a lot of memories. I think everybody's going to have that
0: phrase stuck in their head for a while now, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Travis, we looked up some stats on him. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2011 from pancreatic cancer. Uh, he was 81, uh, He so he had a good run. That was good a run. good run,
1: man. That was a good, good run. run.
0: Speaking of good runs, during his prime, in his peak in 2007, he was on 168 television stations across the United States. Wow that is something it was also believed that he fir- filmed the first one or two episodes of his Mr. Food episode in Waterloo Iowa so not Well that's just a away. hop
1: skip and a jump
0: so uh, by the way his name is not Mr. Food it is actually Art Ginsberg is his real name so uh, but yeah a good throwback ad there for us and Travis you brought up something we were talking about before we got into the segment was that our, our person that we talked to Chris Dewar, he never really crossed paths with Mr. Food you know that at
1: the noon hour there if i remember right there wasn't a huge sports presence so they were like two titans just like two ships passing each other in the night just missing that contact and uh i would love to see some crossover Mr. Food Chris Dewar action
0: like oh my god wouldn't that be something he would, that would be amazing mm. especially with chris's like it, like He'd be running around the kitchen. It Uh, would be insane. It'd be, oh, so
1: good, Chris.
0: Oh, well, that's a good throwback ad for you. We, we love finding those. And by the way, if you had come across any of those that you want to uh, send along to us, let us know, wildquincy at gmail.com, or you can reach us on the Facebook page as well. Travis, before we head to that question of the day, speaking of the man, Chris Doer, we got to thank him so much for coming on and talking to us.
1: Local legend and just such a nice guy, Chris. I mean, he oh, he delivered the charisma carried the questionable zoom call and just a beautiful thing we can't thank chris doer enough
0: yeah you ask him like one question and then he's just off to the races i love that he's a great guy so uh it was great talking with him i hope we get the chance to talk to him again down the road but uh yeah let's head to the question of the day because i this one's a little bit different than what we're used to travis exactly refresh my memory on the question of the day chris so that question is which non-profit organization got its start In Quincy, the gym city The possible answers are Afghans for Afghanis Right The uh, MUFON, which is the Mutual UFO Network The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation Or, maybe the most important Zoological Society of San Diego
1: Okay, well, let's start from the top here I believe Afghans for Afghanis May be an office reference, Chris If memory serves (laughs) So I'm going to... It is. It is, okay, okay.
0: But it is also an actual non organization.
1: What? Are you kidding me? Yes.
0: <laughs> yes, it is. Wow.
1: <laughs> wow. Wow. All right, so okay. that's the, that was your that's first out. choice. So A is out. Okay. B, what was B again? B was... Mufon. Uh, move Mufon. Move if memory serves, that is a UFO... Reporting, like, like in reporting, encountering or something. Yeah. That man, honestly, that one seems the most realistic to me, but that's (laughs) a stretch. Uh, C was the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Gonna, gonna nix that one out right away. He was a California (laughs) boy through and through, I believe. And then the. what what was it? Sacramento? Which which one? San Diego. Uh, San Diego. The last one was San Diego. Yeah, I don't think they started here. Um, <laughs> I guess that <laughs> leaves us on on B. Chris Mufon. Uh,
0: then you would be correct. What? Okay. Yes, uh, the Mutual UFO Quincy. Network it started in Quincy. I'm sure you've heard it. They've talked about it. Heck, there's TV shows about uh, that organization that's out there. Mufon actually started. In 1969 in Quincy, and uh, we're going to be talking about the details of that because, yeah, it's something that uh, you don't really uh, know anything about. We didn't know anything about until we ran across it in some newspaper articles. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about UFOs in the Quincy area on our next episode. Get
1: those those aluminum foil hats ready, guys. It should be a fun episode to close out the first season. Can you believe that, Chris? The, the yeah. last full length episode of season one of Wild Quincy. It's... It's kind of flown right by, hasn't it?
0: It has, and we can't thank everybody enough for uh, all the support we've had and uh, all of our Patreon supporters, all those who have supported us in other ways. It's just been an awesome experience. But yeah, we're going to end this flying high and with our silver rockets uh, coming
1: up in our next episode. There you
0: go. Look to the skies. So Travis, are we missing anything? The
1: only thing I would encourage people to do, Chris, is to give our listener line a shout. We'd love to have some more returners, and that's basically saying, hi, this is... You know, don't say your name. You're listening to Wild Quincy. Now back to Travis and Chris. Real simple. You call 612-666-9453. Pause what you're doing right now. Pick up the phone. 612-666-9453. That's that's wild if you're if you're fancy. This is all, always meaning to be a two-way street with the podcast, and we would love to hear. Just give us some input, too. It doesn't have to be a returner. We just want to let us know how things are looking. Either you can do that or give us a shout at wildquincy at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what we're doing right, what we can improve on. Let us know what's going on.
0: Yep, that uh, is exactly what we're looking for, and we will be back in two weeks for the next episode of Wild Quincy while we go searching for some UFOs. For Travis Hoffman, I'm Chris Kett and you've been listening to Wild Quincy. We'll catch you next time. Take care, everybody.